Greetings, Sci-Fi Universe. Owen Cotter here. Join me, your host, as we discuss all things geek chic and out of this world on Sci-Fiction Radio, your galactic transmission portal to all things science fiction and beyond. Welcome to Science Fiction Radio. On today's show, we have Adam Morissette, who is an extremely talented visual effects artist. Hold tight while we bring him on the show shortly. Adam, you there? Yep. How are you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Doing pretty good. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Well, uh, let's get things started here. Uh, so, for everyone that, that introducing you, uh, you're Adam Marset, and you're an, a visual effects artist in the movie industry. Uh, can you explain yep. what exactly is involved in that line of work that you do and what, what you do with that? In general, with visual effects, um, we handle what typically can't be shot on set, and that can range from anything between dragons and giant robots to stunts and and things that are too dangerous for for people to actually do me mm-hmm. specifically i'm i'm handle animation and so that's just breathing the performance of whatever it needs to be crumbling rocks all the way up to robots and and vehicles driving or whatever we need it to to be that's what i'll i'll do that's really cool man and you said dragons have you ever done dragons before um, no, I haven't actually done, I don't think so. It's not specifically a dragon, though. A lot of dinosaur stuff. Um, oh, really? But not specifically nice. dragons, no. What are some of the dinosaurs have you done for, like, TV series or movies or? Yeah, we did, um, we did a couple episodes of a television series last year, Primeval, a North American sci-fi show. Um, mm. I think it was, it was, there was a UK one before, and then this was the American version of it and um yeah we got to do a bunch of dinosaurs running around chasing people it was pretty fun <laughs> that's pretty cool man that's pretty cool now you've worked on a lot of other movies in the industry uh uh you worked on one i believe uh, one of my favorites called district nine i believe uh what what exactly yeah, did you yeah. do with that i know there and there's some robots and some uh aliens or what do you call them bugs or something like that yeah, they were um those were the aliens in there. Uh we did the we did the exosuit stuff at the end. So when when Wickes puts on the robot suit and runs around fighting off um and protecting the his alien friend Chris there. Uh we did oh, all the wow. robot stuff. And then a yeah, couple of them like little shots part. of the little insect bug guys. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. really liked it. It was it was a lot of fun. Neil's a good director to work with. He really gave you a lot of freedom to just kind of go for it. You know, a lot of directors We'll get into very, very specifics down to the toe, what the, what they want a toe to be doing. And Neil's direction was always just make it cool. And if you could make mm. it cool, he'd he'd be into it. So it was a lot of fun working on that one. Yeah, that was a really cool. It was a deep movie too. It had a lot of like issues, like especially at the end when uh, um, he couldn't come back as um, a human, and they had left, and they were supposedly. I thought they might even make a sequel, like or something. They kind of left it as a cliffhanger there at the end of the movie, you know. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Could do another. Oh, that was a pretty cool movie. Now, you worked on some other movies, uh, like Marvel Comics films. What are some of the movies you've worked on for that, that company? And, like, as a follow-up question, what can you tell us about the things you did for those movies that, like, some of the fans might recognize from those films? 
Uh, I worked on all three of the Iron Man films. Um, The biggest, probably, or the most recognizable would be from Iron Man 1. We did the Mark 1 sequence when he escapes uh, from the cave. So we had, that, that suit was very restricting in motion, and production wanted all these things to happen mm. and the, the stunt guy could barely walk in it and he had to be able to walk and punch and fight and and do all these things so we handled a lot of that sequence in the other two iron mans we just did a lot of um, dialogue stuff where he's just standing around wearing the suit because they didn't they don't have a practical iron man suit they, they may have gotten one for for three i think but for two i know they didn't have a suit at all so anytime he's talking or just standing there wearing the suit that's a visual effect the whole time so we had to track him and and match robert downey's motions in there um i did a bit of work on thor and then captain america 2 which is about to come out i can't really talk too much about that but on thor i did a lot of the frost giant stuff on jotunheim and the big beast that that they wake up and it comes chasing after thor and his friends and when he gets hit in the head and falls down and rolls off the cliff, that was that was some of the stuff I did there. Uh, so cool it was uh, it was a lot of fun working on those too. Mm-hmm. So the Iron Man films, you said there's no practical suit. Well, when you did the Mark One, that I know there was like all these little gears and little uh, spinning fans, and I know he had taken a lot of that. The, mo- the whole suit was built out of those missiles that the uh, they had captured that they wanted him to build the Jericho. When you did that suit. Did did you have to mimic some of the uh, like the I mean I guess you had to look at the actual like the the stunt suit and go in there and put in like the decals and all that and was that that did they have the little spinning fan in the back I guess it did since it was uh you know based off the original suit I mean you had to go in there and put all the how 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 hard was that to do like the look off the it's, actual um, suit. The, the hardest thing is probably getting it to match one to one because you ha- it has to be able to cut from the practical suit to our to our visual effects suit and have no one second guess it at all. So we had to have right. all those little spinning parts and all the little uh, he had belts in his leg that if he, when he took his steps the belts rotated a little bit and we we did all that mm-hmm. stuff too. They actually sent us in the the production suit to photograph and study and and look at for for everything. So oh, wow. it was. Uh, it was it was pretty fun. We actually got to have the Iron Man suit. A couple of us tried some of the pieces on the helmet and stuff. It was mm-hmm. a pretty fun day. Was uh for the Iron Man three? Did you do many of the Mark Forty Two suit or any of the any of the newer suits? Well, which one did you do of that of that film? Yeah, we used the we did a small sequence. We did um a bit of stuff for he was wearing the Mark Forty Two and he was just talking to Don Cheadle in the boat at the end and he's just walking around mm-hmm. on the boat. We did all those shots, um, nice. and then Is some it, of the other ones the little... before. Sorry, go ahead. For Thor, I was gonna, I was going to say something, but what are you saying for Thor? What were you doing with that one? You said um, there's a beast on Jotunheim when the frost giants release this big creature from the ice, mm-hmm. and he starts chasing them underneath. Uh, we did a bunch. I did a bunch of stuff on that. That was at a different company than where I'm at now. Um, and he uh, he climbs up onto the ice right at the end, and then Thor comes flying in and smashes through his head, and then the beast falls <laughs> over and and falls off the cliff. Nice. All that stuff in there, and obviously most of the frost giants were were all CGI. Um, mm. There was a few of the practical stuff, and then once they got the 
other than the main guy, they had a couple of the practical shots of the guys in suits, and then the director noticed that they were very limited in their motion compared to what the visual effects guys could do. So then you started having us replace a lot of those guys with um, all visual effects versions. That's pretty cool, man. And you said for Iron Man 3, you did the stuff in the boat. Did you do any of that little headset like thing he had with the little heads-up display, the little visor, a little thing he put on his head that he was driving around? No, none of that stuff. The... That's that's always handled by uh, by a different company that, that does most of them. Different company. Well, um, you yeah, we usually guys... handle the robot in the suit. The robots and the that's all. Yeah, I, I love that Mark Mark One man. That that was that was probably the most fame the most favorite sequence out of the whole first film for me. As when he comes out of that cave, man, and just yeah, man. that was that was good. <laughs> that was a good one. That a lot of people awesome, recognize that too. It, it was it's pretty cool to be able to have you know the first time Iron Man is seen on screen, you know, ever, which is now one of the most popular movie franchises of all time. To have that, totally. you know, be something that I worked on is is great. Yeah, that was just that was amazing. It was so detailed. I couldn't even tell the difference between the actual any of the stuff. It all blended in very well, very well, man. Oh, that's great. That's great. So, uh, yeah, that was just amazing. That film. Now, now you created another uh, another new project that was a, it's a, it's amazing science fiction. It's a, it was a short film, and it's you know, I believe it's entitled Amp. Now you're in the process of developing that further, and can you tell us, uh, like, how did you come up with the concept for that, and exactly, like, what, what's what's the next step uh, to turn that? I guess you're turning that into a feature film. Or? Yeah, we're we're trying to develop it into a feature, and um, basically, what happened was I was by a local production company called Triton Films, and he wanted me to come up with something that, and he said, just just go with it, have fun with it. I want you to come up with a, an idea that involves a guy and a robot. And that was all he gave me to go on. And mm-hmm. so I just basically sat down and started thinking about what kind of a, what kind of a movie I, I would want to make, which was important, you know, whether it's a, a gritty sci-fi or a, a fun adventure kind of sci-fi. Um, and he just, um, yeah, he just let me kind of have free run at it. And then as long as I pitched him something that sounded like it could work as a, as a sellable film, then we would go ahead with it. So I just started thinking about um, all, all, all the things that interest me in terms of like science fiction. And at the time I was reading a lot of stuff about artificial intelligence and technological singularities and all that stuff. And I don't want to go too far into that, but it involves like the creation of artificial intelligence and when we lose control of it. And then I wanted to kind of have this, this kind of bigger science fiction story and idea that I could that's a little hard to swallow for a lot of people and then try to package it up in a fun adventure film kind of thing and I still have the message get across about the dangers of, of technology as we move forward but have people not really realize that they just kind of had some like learned something about you know where we're going with technology they just kind of watch the movie and have fun with it so it was um I ended up just kind of writing down how I think it should end and just kind of got the main story beats down and then the rest kind of filled in enough to get a short film made. That's very mysterious mm-hmm. about it. We didn't go, I didn't want to go too much into the story because I can kind of, we wanted to keep it really short, especially just mm-hmm. nowadays. There's so many things out on the internet and attention spans are shorter and shorter for, you know, if something is not great quality, people can easily skip it. So we wanted to just keep it 
keep it really kind of thrilling and and try to keep people watching as long as we could. So I didn't want to get too much into the story, just have it kind of suggest, you know, that there's there's a bigger story happening here and here's just a little taste of, of what it could become. So, um, so yeah, and then we, uh, we released that and, and it did fairly well. You know, we were a little nervous going onto the, onto YouTube and getting unfiltered <laughs> internet comments, but the, the, the reaction was, was very positive and we we're, we we're really happy with it. So we decided to keep going with it. That's an, that's an incredible, man. So I guess you haven't got it to where there's like, or are there characters uh, or villains? Is it more, you got to have it more detailed before you develop it to a movie? Or, I mean, I know there was, there's people in the film and there was the robot. Um, what, uh, is there like, like the characters, like he describes some of them or the villains or this too early for that? Yeah. No, there's there's lots in there. We we couldn't originally the when I turned over a script for for Amp, which ended up being seven minutes long, I think around. Um, mm-hmm. It was a, it was initially half an hour long, and it had all these different characters meeting, and and it just it ended up getting a little too much talking for for just a short piece, and we mm-hmm. really wanted it to be really short, so we ended up cutting whatever wasn't necessary. So there's. The main two characters, which is, or the main three characters, I guess, Quinn, Amp, and Zoe, and Zoe is the girl that shows up. They ended up, they end up going on, and the, the rest of the story continues with the three of them all working together all the way through to the end. Um, Quinn's father plays a role. Who he, you see him in the photograph that um, that Quinn picks up when he gets upset about it, and then he goes up to the roof. His father plays a role in it. Um, Zoe's father is also. They're part of a a resistance against this technological kind of singularity that's on the horizon. Um, so their, their two parents are, are old friends and, and Quinn and Zoe kind of grew up together and her father is a general in this resistance. So he plays a, a major role as far as the villains. There's the main villain would be Charles Corley. And that's the guy you only see his name on the side of that building. When Quinn goes up to the roof and he's thinking about it and all he can see is this massive corporation staring back at him that he knows is oppressing all of the people and he feels like he has to do right. something. And Corley's an older man, so he sends his crony who is Ronin and he's the guy that shows up with the two soldiers in the garage. He's the guy with the mask on and what we wanted to do, we didn't have the budget for it, but we want him to be a cyborg. So we tried to give him a robotic voice and give him some kind of robotic sounds as he moves. There, there was a few questions about, as you know, how can a human hold up against that robot? But he's supposed to be a cyborg that we just didn't have the budget to get it in there. So we, you know, not a lot of people asked it. Some people, it, you know, it went right by them, and and others kind of called us on it. But um, he's meant to be, you know, when when we go forward with the with the feature, he'll be a much cooler design that we'll actually have money for. So. So that's that that awesome. was the the, mo- the main villains right there is is the the big bad Corley and then his his goon which is kind of he'd be like the cutting edge of all his technology that they that they're developing right now mm-hmm. you know in sorry in future times now in the story. Nice, <laughs> nice. Well, as a as a science fiction film, are there any particular sci-fi series or movies that helped you? Uh, the help you in the creation process, like it inspired you in creation of AMP? Um, not so much in, in the creation of it. I mean, I more in the tone and the type of movie I wanted to make. You know, I grew up watching Star mm-hmm. Wars and Indiana Jones and all the emblem films and Back to the Future and all that. And 
I kind of I kind of wanted to do Amp as as like a fun kind of adventure film like that that anyone could go see. You know, it wasn't for kids, but it wasn't necessarily so adult that that only adults right. could go see it and kids couldn't. So I want it was it, it tonally yes, um, but in in the actual development of AMP, I was just looking more at real-world technologies, and, and um, there's a lot of stuff out there right now that's happening with robotics and, and things that are actually kind of, they inspired me to, to for the design of AMP and for um, that robot at the end. You see him come around. There's there's similar robots to that being made. Mine is a an advanced future futuristic version of that, but it's all based on kind of stuff that's being built now. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I would kind of just go through. The Internet is, is an amazing resource for inspiration. If you can find any science fiction blogs, there's just stuff in there that just gets gets your brain going, your creative juices flowing. So there wasn't any, any films in particular that, that inspired me, no, but just uh, the inspiration is all around you. Right, that's totally true, man. That's very true, and I understand totally what you're talking about there. Well, you mentioned like the films like from days past, like Back to the Future and Star Wars, and that, which was you know pretty positive in some aspects. A lot of the visions of the future, or the, well, in like Star Wars, a long time ago. But like a lot of the sci-fi movies, and just in general, movies in general, they're almost set like in a future or like a, a much darker vision in the future, almost apocalyptic compared to like the films like Back to the Future and Star Wars, stuff like that. Yeah. What What are your opinions on this and your film Amp? How would it stand out from that trend, the current trend of movie making? And as a follow-up question, if so, is there a message that you'd like to relay to the viewer to deliver to them that was more like resonates on like a deeper level other than just blowing up stuff and you know, apocalyptic future and darksome antagonist or whatever coming out, you know. Yeah, I think, I mean, I like I like a good dark apocalyptic movie as much as the next person. There was a lot of movies growing up that I, right. you know, like RoboCop was one that, that had a, a kind of a crappy future for us. I think, I think the mm-hmm. trend right now could be because it's, for a while we were doing all happy, happy future, happy endings. And I think people people were looking for something different and now we've gone so different that a lot of the movies coming out are about the the, the horrible future. I've read a few things about why people seem to be into the horrible future and I think it's got something to do with hope for change now so that we can see, oh, we don't want to become that, but um, it's hard to tell, you know, trends of, of what people like or don't like. Um but as long as you know, as long as it services the story to have the world be dark and gritty, you know, then then I'm I'm all for it. I think the different thing with with AMP in terms of what what would what's different about of you know this movie compared to others that involve um, like a, like a robot like this, I, I would think a lot of the time the robot would be the villain, and in this mm. he's actually the, one of the good guys. You know that was that was one of the things that people were noticing about the short was that whenever people do a visual effects piece and they have robots involved, they're always the bad guys. They're always the antagonist that's that's going up against the hero of the story. And in this, I wanted him to be a good guy going up against you know other. In this one, the visual effect is in in Amp. He was uh, 
he was the good guy going up against the practical humans. So, I mean, the, the humans being the villains as well. So I think that that's mm-hmm. that's a little bit different. And um, I think in terms of a message, I just I kind of just want it to be, you know, be aware of the technologies that we create. And just because we can create things, you know, just because we can make these drones and just because we can make these these robots that can walk around and do things doesn't mean that we should. And we just have to be careful, I think, of, of what we do as we move forward as a civilization. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. And you mentioned drones. I know there's a lot of technology and stuff today. Like I heard recently that they're having like a Facebook straight in these drones that they can broadcast the internet with. I mean, what is your opinions on technology like that? Like that is someone, I guess, somewhere to stuff in your movie. Yeah, I think, I think it's a, it's a slippery slope. All this stuff Mm -hmm. is, um, you know, we can, they seem to be developing technologies, uh, that are going to take away work and take away jobs from people. And then Mm -hmm. suddenly we're we're not going to be able to afford any of the technologies that they want to sell us. And yeah, <laughs> I think uh, it's a long conversation that we could have, but I th- right. it's uh, it's definitely a slippery slope with where we're going with all this stuff. And um, you know, I, I would I would much prefer to to be heading towards more symbiotic relationships with technology instead of um, things that replace the need for for people. Even right, right. now, you know, you go to the grocery store. And it's cheaper mm-hmm. for them in the long run. You know, you have one person, one human now operating six automated cash registers in a store. <laughs> so there's six less six less jobs. And it's just a little scanner and it just does whatever. But, you know, people are now that's that's becoming a more popular trend where you'll see one cash register instead of 15 of them. And it's already just that's a tiny little thing that people have just swallowed at this point and, and we're on board with it. But as we continue doing that kind of thing, it could become a little more troublesome in the future. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with you on that, man. It just takes people's jobs away and it automates everything almost like completely. Yes, interesting stuff, interesting times. Well, um, we yeah. have a little bit of time. I wanted to ask you one more question about your movies. You had rec- there's a recent film that speaking about technology, uh, Elysium, which was uh, I believe that starred Matt Damon. They had that big space station and all those robots and like there's there's a corporations in that. Um, like I know your film has a corporation too. What items were you responsible for in that film? And also as a follow up question, what did you think about the storyline in that film? You know, as it, it was somewhat. Apocalyptic, but it also was positive. Well, what, what did you what did you like about that as a follow-up question? Um, well, we didn't we didn't handle. I personally didn't handle too much on Elysium. Um, the the embassy, which is the place I work at now, they did um, a lot of the shields. You know, Kruger mm-hmm. when he puts on the little energy shield and all that, and the bullets right. are hitting and going around it and all that stuff. We did a lot of that stuff, um, mm-hmm. and then. We did a couple other little sequences to help out one of the other studios um, in the shuttle. It was a bunch of zero-G kind of things floating around inside the shuttle, and we did all that. They had to kind of interact with the people and um, 
you know, be consistent. I think uh, there's a grenade shot. I think the one that blows, oh, this might be a spoiler alert, but I guess it's there's a time limit on spoilers, I think. And uh, okay. there's a grenade that blows Kruger's face up. We did the grenade bouncing around right before it goes. And it was just kind of little odds and ends on that stuff. And um, oh, we did when, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but when Matt Damon grabs that rail gun and shoots the guy through the walls and he explodes into little pieces, we got oh, yeah, to do that. that cool, of, uh, yeah, we had to blend while he was running around the corner and match his motion to what he was doing. Just kind of, uh, mm-hmm. it's called rotomation. We just kind of line up a scan we had of the guy and then animate him mm-hmm. moving forward. And then as the, as the actor would run around the corner, he would just fall forward pretending mm-hmm. to die. But as <laughs> his legs are getting blown off and his arms are getting blown off, his balance is going to change. And then he just kind of, we had him you know, fall appropriately as if his leg had been blown off now and he can't put weight on that anymore. Because obviously the actor would have both legs and he would just fall down. Right. That was pretty fun. Digital yeah. double stuff is, is, uh, is always, is always fun when you get to do those little things like that. That's pretty cool, man. And you said that shield, um, that was one in terms of the, the ground. The, oh, go which, ahead. Sorry. I was just saying, the, I was just uh, going to answer your follow up question, but, uh, Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, I mean, I I like the idea of um, you know the people. I think what what Neil did with that story was was kind of the, the far extreme of what can happen when it starts with you know the blue collar jobs and the mm-hmm. the average Joe jobs like the grocery store clerks. You know, as that kind of thing progresses, it's going to separate the classes of you know, middle class will will disappear and it'll just be extreme poverty and extreme rich. And right. there's a lot of people that think that's inevitable at this point. Um, but yeah. but I like the idea of what Elysium did was try to bring it back down and make everyone equal again and almost like resetting society to where we're all equals and, and we move forward again from there. I like mm-hmm. that idea in for a science fiction thing instead of just the good guys win and 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 bad guys fall. Just the idea of of you know merging the two classes again and and making everyone on level playing field. Right. And that's what I liked about the movie too. I mean, I know there's a limit for spoilers, like you said, but like at the end of the movie when uh, he like made everything almost like you said they reset the entire world to where everybody was on an equal uh, playing field. That was that was pretty cool. Well, we have a just a little bit yeah, of time left. Idea. What? Yeah, I agree with you, man. What are there any sites or links that uh, you can send people to to go to find out more about your project, including AMP, especially? Yeah, for AMP right now, we're trying to develop a feature script. So we've got the story mm-hmm. written out, and we're trying to hire a writer to write the to write the screenplay, so we can have it made into a feature. So we've got an Indiegogo campaign going, and you can find that at www.indiegogo.com slash projects slash amp dash feature dash film and I'll email you the link so you can include it maybe with the with the podcast. But okay. um, if you go on there, there's a page to donate on and it kind of talks about what we're trying to do and, and a bit of the history behind making amp and list the prizes and everything for contributing. But um, yeah, we're just slowly getting that going and and we're trying to raise about fifteen thousand. We've got a writer that's given us a great deal to write a script for that little, and we're gonna see we're gonna see where we go from there. 
Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, Adam, it was actually a pleasure having you on the show today, and I really enjoyed discussing about your uh, visual effects background and your history and your movie AMP, and I uh, hope you uh, all the best with your film, man, and look forward to talking to you in the future. All right. Thanks for having me. Most welcome, man. You have a good day.